as we begin, one of the things that all of us uh, get frustrated by, I think, in, in, um, in our life, but even just in our culture, is if there is kind of all talk but no, but no action. If there's just all talk and no action, that's something that frustrates us, whether that's people that you know or whether you think about um, your job or whatever it might be, when there's all talk and no action, that's something that, that really frustrates us. I was thinking about this even just in the political climate last year uh, in the presidential election. One of the most popular candidates that was gaining a lot of steam, and especially among millennials, he had the most kind of approval rating that millennials had ever given anybody, uh, which doesn't really mean anything, but um, was Bernie Sanders. And a lot of that was because people were like, man, why? And I was kind of looking up articles uh, this week to go, man, w- what was happening? And there's all these articles that were just titled, like, why do people like Bernie Sanders? Sanders and why do millennials like Bernie Sanders? And even if you hated him, there was a lot of there was a lot of kind of momentum around him because a lot of how he was billing himself was I'm going to actually get things done. It was this kind of revolution that he was talking about of, man, we're going to change this and we're going to change this. And this is actually going to happen. And people believed it. And so there was a lot of kind of steam that was gained around him. And obviously that went nowhere. But then there's also Donald Trump and he kind of campaigned. A lot of politicians campaign on the same stuff. But again, I think one of the things that distinguished his campaign, people really believed when Donald Trump said, I'm going to make America great again, or this is going to happen, or I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. People believed he was going to do that. And there was a lot of steam of kind of against the, per- the, the different candidates that were against the man or against, you know, I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm going to change things. I'm going to, there was a lot of steam around different candidates that were billing themselves in that way that were saying, we're actually going to get things done. It's not going to just be business as usual. It's not going to just be talk, but there will be action. And that resonated. That resonated with a lot of people. It resonated with a lot of people because something that we don't like is just talk, just business as usual, just words, but no action. But this is true not just politically speaking. You know it's true in your own life. I think a lot about uh, marriages where I've talked with people and seen marriages where they would say, man, there's a lot of words. There's a lot of I love you. There's a lot of, uh, you know, vows that were made, but there's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of actual change. There's in our relationship, there might be words that are taking place and how much someone cares for me and I'm going to be for you and I'm going to be with you, but there's not action. And so people would describe that as a loveless marriage or a lifeless marriage because there's a lot of words, but there's not action. And that happens in the church, too. That happens in the church. I mean, that's a lot of criticism that actually happens against the church. And I'm not just talking about our church, but the church as a, as a grouping. I mean, that happens a lot of times in the church. That there's a lot of words that are spoken. I'm speaking words right now where people say, I'll pray for you, or there's prayers that are done, or there's uh, nice little scripture quotes that are given, or there's, there's inspiration, and there's words. But a lot of times people look at the church and say, yeah, but there's not, there's not action And that's not something that people like. It's not something people want. None of us want just talk but no action. And James kind of paints this scenario of this happening in the church. Here's what James says. He says, what good is it, my brothers? If someone says he has faith, someone says they believe, someone says they're in, they're a Christian, but but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister, and he kind of gives this illustration, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what, what good is that? So if, if you say, hey, I'm going to pray for you, go in peace, and, and you say, man, I hope good happens to you, and I'm thinking of you, and my thoughts are with you, and if you say that without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. See, James paints this situation where there's all talk and no action. My little clicker thing is not working. There we go. Um, And that's something that none of us like. We don't want this. We don't want to be a part of a community like this. We don't want our marriages to be like this. We don't want our friendships to be like this. We don't want our families to be like this. We don't want our culture to be like this. We want a community that's not just talk, but that's action. We want a community of love. And we can call that just love, because that's what love is in many ways, is, is putting into action the things that we say that we believe, and that's what we want, community of love. So the question I just want to explore today is how do we get that? How do we get a community that isn't just talk, but is a community of love? 
both in the church, but in, and, and you can think of that, that in the church, but in just your relationships. How do, how do we get that? How do we get a community of love? And to start with, we have to, we have to look at this. What gets in the way? What gets in the way of a community of love? And, and James says, look, there's something dangerous. There's something dangerous in our lives that gets in the way of having this kind of community. There's something dangerous in our lives that gets in the way of this, that, that will make it so you don't get a community where, man, you would get the situation described where someone is in need and their needs are actually met, where someone is hungry and they're actually fed, where someone needs, um, and someone needs clothes and they're actually clothed, where someone, he says, James says, there's something that gets in the way of that, of a community of love. And here's what James says it is, faith. James says, here's what gets in the way of a community of love. Here's what gets in the way of a community experiencing love. Faith. Now, it might not be the answer that we would think to hear, especially at church, because James says there's something very dangerous that might mess up your relationships. There's something very dangerous that might make it so your relationships are all talk. He says, here's what it is. It's faith. So he says, let me explain. And I want you to think about this. James is going to give us an illustration, but I'll kind of do it first and then show how James says it. But here's what James says. Picture somebody that believes in God. Picture someone in your head that believes in God. Here's a standard Google photo of someone, that woman that believes in God. Okay, woman that believes in God. This is her, according to Google. She's reading her Bible, but picture someone. Picture a woman that believes in God and believes in Jesus. Picture a woman that reads her Bible that says, I believe in Jesus. I believe God is who he says he is. I believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Picture someone that would say, I believe in God, or, or maybe you would, this is the, the man version of the stock photo. Picture, maybe, and maybe, you, maybe this is real to you, right? Maybe you, if you were to picture, man, who's someone that believes in God? Maybe your grandpa comes to mind, or Maybe, maybe this is you, or maybe your dad comes to mind, or someone that goes, man, I believe in God. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible's story. James says, picture someone that believes in God. And James says, I've got someone in mind. I have someone in mind that believes in God. James says, here's who I picture when I think of someone that believes in God. A demon. This is a stock photo of a demon. I don't think this is a real photo, <clears throat> but I don't know. It's a stock photo. But James says, I, I, have, I have someone in mind when I think about someone that believes in God. See, here's what J James says. He says, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And then look, he says, you believe that God is one. And this was kind of the creed that the Jewish people had, that there is one God. God is one. This was the creed. This would be like us if we, you have a doctrine statement and look at it. And James says, you believe this? Good job. Congratulations. You do well. And then he says, even the demons believe. And they shudder. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Now, now here's, here's what this means. James says, look, do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe in God? Do you believe Jesus is who he says he was? Do you believe God is one? Do you believe the things that we sing on Sundays? This could be what's getting in the way. This could actually be what's getting in the way of creating a community of love. So I, first, just pause for a minute. Think about the implications of what this is. Because James isn't being hypothetical, right? James is not somebody that, I mean, James is known in, in all the Bible, James is known as one of the most practical people. He's very, very practical. You look at the book of Proverbs, which is like, hey, don't be lazy or you won't get what you want. You should plan things, and if you plan things, you'll, you'll usually get uh, a greater financial return. The book of Proverbs is a very practical book, and then people say that James is like the Proverbs of the, of the New Testament. It's a very practical book. So James isn't somebody that's known as just like, just kind of speaking, you know, really ethereal, hypothetical. Like, James is a very practical person. So I just want to pause for a second, because James is writing to a church, and he's not trying to, he's not speaking hypothetically as if this situation doesn't exist. He sees a reason and a need to actually write this, to actually say, look, there's a, a lot of 
of belief that's out there. There's a lot of belief that's out there. And I just want to pause and think about the implications of this for a minute. Because James says, there's people that say, I believe the right thing. But he says, you know who else believes all the right things? Demons. Like, think about it. Demons, and I don't, you know, I don't have time if, if you're like, well, I have demons. I don't even, why, isn't this 2018? Like, we don't believe in demons. I don't have time to go into that. So, yes, we do. Um, but I, so if that's a question you have, I'd be happy to talk about it. But I don't, I don't have time to kind of have a whole sermon on that. But James says, look, demons believe the right stuff. Like, if, even if you're not sure what you believe about supernatural stuff, I mean, just imagine, let's say there is a category of demons. Wouldn't they believe all the right things? Because they would be seeing it happen. They wouldn't have questions if there's a God. Of course they know there's a God. They wouldn't have questions, man, did Jesus really die on the cross? Of course, they, like, I saw it. They wouldn't have questions about the resurrection. They would say, I, I saw it. I hated it. I shuddered. But yes, I saw it. And James says, think about all the doctrinal creeds. And, and he says, look, Demons believe all the right, look, if you're at a Bible study, if you're at a Bible study and, and you're reading the Bible and it says, man, there's only one God, the demon would go, yeah, that's a good point, you know? <laughs> that's my demon voice. <laughs> See, it's either my sore throat voice or my demon voice. But that, the demon agrees with it all. The demon agrees with it all. The demon agrees with all of it. And this is why I say I just want to pause and think about the implications of this for a minute. Because James isn't hypothetical, so what if he's writing to people in the church that are actually like you? And I'm not saying that to freak you out, because I don't know your heart. But James is writing to people in his church saying, some of you, some of you have the same faith that demons have. Like, that's heavy, I know. But James says, some of you have the same faith that demons have, where you actually believe all the right things. You believe the Bible. You believe who God is. You believe who Jesus is. And he, James says, you do well. Like, good job. But that's the same thing that demons have. And that kind of faith is actually what gets in the way of creating a community of love. That's why I say just pause and think about the implications of it because James isn't writing to fake people. He's writing to real people and he wants to help real people. See, James knows that there's a lot of belief out there. And look, this is true in the United States. I mean, statistically speaking, in the United States, most people believe in God. I think it's 90% or 92%, depending on the study you look at. I mean, most people would say exactly what James just said. Most people in the United States, say, I believe in God. And most people, even further than that, again, depending on the study you look at, about 75% of America says they're Christians. So not even just they believe in God, but they would say, I believe in the Bible. I believe in Jesus. Most people believe. There's a lot of belief. But isn't it true that something that gets criticized about the church often is exactly what James says? Yeah, you say you believe these things, but, but wouldn't we have a really different culture if, if faith was more than what James is talking about here? I mean, isn't it true that the church gets criticized all the time? Just open the news and type in church and Look at news articles, and you're going to hear about sex cover-ups, and you're going to hear about, like, sexual abuse cover-ups. Um, you're going to hear about scandals. You're going to hear about people stealing money. You're going to hear about, I mean, and those are just the things that make the news, but some of you, I know, would say, man, my church experience, I was either hurt by people, or this happened, or this, like, James says, look, there's a lot of people that claim belief. 75% of people in this country say that they believe, and that's exactly what James is talking about. But he says, demons believe too. Demons believe, demons believe. And, and that kind of faith, the same kind that demons have, is actually what gets in the way of a community of love. Now, we actually know this outside of the Bible. 
you know that one of the things that actually most messes with relationships is exactly what James is talking about. All talk, all belief, but nothing actually happening. We have a lot of phrases that talk about this, that talk about how damaging it is. Think about a phrase that would say, don't just, don't just talk the talk, but what? Walk the walk. Or we have phrases that say, put your money where your mouth is. Or we have phrases that say, um, practice what you... See, there's a, there's a bunch of those things, right? I mean, that's just three, right? But you could keep going. You could keep going. Because we know, there's a reason just even culturally, we know that that kind of stuff, people that say a bunch of stuff, but don't actually live it. People that preach a bunch of stuff, but don't actually practice it. People that say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to help you, and I love you, and I'm for and then don't do it. We know, man, that's damaging, which is why even outside of the Bible, we have a lot of different phrases and stuff about that. Because isn't it worse, actually? Isn't it worse to have somebody that says, I love you, and doesn't do anything, than somebody that says, I hate you, and doesn't do anything? You're like, well, of course you're not going to do anything. But the person that says, I'm never going to leave your side, and then when you're in need, they're not there, that's worse than somebody that says, hey, I don't really like you. Don't, don't call me if you need help. That, you're like, I know what to expect. But that's why marriages can be really damaging. When people have made these great vows, for better or worse, till death do us part, and then there's no love. And that's why parenting relationships can be so damaging. When your father, your mother said, I love you, you're special to me, and then wasn't there for you. You had a dad that didn't go to any of your games, or you had a dad that didn't, it seemed like, man, this guy says he loves me, but it's not, he's not showing up. Because when people say stuff, but don't actually do anything, it's more damaging. James knows this. And James says, you know what gets in the way of actually having a community of love? It's belief. It's these beliefs, this faith that says, I believe God is forgiving, but won't forgive you. I believe God's loving, but won't love you. I believe God takes care of every need, but won't, when someone's in need, actually help them. Or even that says, man, I believe God is against and will judge those that are abusers. And then when people are abusers, actually says, oh, you don't understand. They're okay. They're, it's fine. James knows that one of the things that gets in the way of creating a community where there's love is a problem that we all know exists, that kind of all talk, but no action. It's damaging to relationships to actually say, I've got these beliefs. I've got all these beliefs, and yet nothing happens. It's worse, but it doesn't have to be that way. James wants to help us have a community of love and experience a community that isn't just talk. There's more than, than just a community of talk. And so what does a community of love look like? This is what God wants for you to experience. This is what God wants for us as a church to experience. This is what God wants for your relationships to be able to experience. So what does it look like? And James is going to give us two examples from the Bible, from the Old Testament. He's going to give us two examples, two stories. And so I'll, I'll read what James says, and, and then we'll look at the two stories. And he says, do you want to be shown? So let me give you some examples. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? So I, again, let me just pause for a second, because James is kind of harsh. I mean, he, he says, there, and this is what this whole series is about. This is what this whole book is about. He says, look, there's a kind of faith that exists, but it's demonic. It's useless. It's foolish. It's dead. It's, a couple weeks ago, worthless. James says, there's a kind of faith that people in churches say, I have faith. And James says, but is it useless, dead, demonic, worthless? So James says, let me show you. Let me show you 
that the kind of faith I'm talking about, that a lot of people say, I believe, I believe. Let me show you. Let me show you that's not what it's supposed to look like. Let me show you that just believing in God and believing in Jesus, let me show you that's not faith. He says, let me give you some examples. He says, was not Abraham our father? Abraham is a man in the Old Testament. He's going to give us a snapshot of his life. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So let me, let me talk about these two stories to talk about what a community of love looks like. James's first example is Abraham offering up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And this is a weird story in the Bible. It's not something that happens a lot, but there's a man named Abraham that God promises, Abraham, through you, through you, my people will come. Through you will actually eventually come the salvation of the world because you will have children and their children will have children and my family will get created. And through that family, eventually a seed will come who will save the world. Talking about Jesus. But God asks Abraham to do something. God asks Abraham to take his son who through whom all the different people are supposed to come, this heir that would create this great promise, this great family that Abraham believed God and trusted that God would save the world. God asks Abraham to take his son up the mountain and sacrifice him, to kill him. It's a very strange story. It's not something God asks anyone to do other than this story. God takes him up the mountain, and Abraham does it. He takes his, think about, look, if you've got kids, I mean, if you've got kids and you knew God told you today to sacrifice them, would you even consider it? I don't know. We wouldn't even consider it. If you have a spouse and God said, I want you to sacrifice this spouse, you wouldn't even think about it. I wouldn't. Abraham says, God, I trust you. I believe you. I know you're good. I'm going to do what you say. And he walks his son up to the altar to sacrifice him. Now, what does God do? I don't know if you can see it in this little picture. There's a, a ram. And God says, stop. You don't need to do it. Instead, I will actually provide the sacrifice myself. And Isaac lives, Abraham sacrifices the ram, and God says, now I know you trust me, now I know you love me, now I know you've put your faith and your confidence in me. That you would do anything. Because you so trust me, because you so know me, you would do anything. You know what a community of faith looks like? It looks like, you know what a community of love, rather, and faith? You know what a community of love looks like? It looks like being willing to sacrifice what's most important to you. What is most important to you? I know that's kind of a hard question because there's a lot of things important to us. But what is most important to you that would be difficult to sacrifice if God asked you to? The reality is God asks us to sacrifice things all the time that are difficult for us. Maybe, like Abraham, it's your kids. And God isn't asking you to kill your kids, but God isn't asking you to kill your family, but God's asking you not to have family first. Family shouldn't be the center of our lives. Maybe that's difficult for you. Maybe it's your time. God asks us to sacrifice our time, and maybe that is really challenging for you. There's so much that we can do with our time. We only have a limited amount of time. And that's it for me. Time is the hardest thing to sacrifice for me. Maybe it's your money. To actually sacrifice your money is very difficult. But I want you to think about this. 
Because James is using this story as an illustration of what, of what a community of love actually looks like. What happens? What happens if we're willing to sacrifice what's most important to us? What would happen in your relationships? What would happen in your relationships if you were willing to give up and sacrifice what's most important to you? What would happen? I can give you a couple just illustrations. James says, here's the kind of faith that God wants, a faith that actually is willing to sacrifice what's most important to you because that creates a community where love actually exists. My, my grandpa died uh, this last year, and now my grandma is alone, and this last Christmas was her first Christmas for the first time. Think about that. I mean, being married to someone for long, 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 long time, and your first Christmas now alone. And I don't, don't judge me for this. Maybe you can. I don't care. But I, I don't call my grandma. I used to call my grandpa regularly, but I don't call my grandma. But Christmas came around, and I was just thinking about her. I was just like, man, I bet this is a hard Christmas for her. I bet without my grandpa, this is a hard Christmas for her. And I was like, I'm going to call my grandma this Christmas and just check in with her. And then the day went by. And it was a fun day and hanging out with the kids. And, and it was great. And I was like, ah, I don't really want to really take the three minutes it's going to take to call my grandma you know, or however long. It's not like it's going to be a long conversation. It's like, I, but I didn't really want to do it. I didn't really want to call her. And she's not, I hope she's not listening to this message. <laughs> but I, I didn't want to call her because it's just time. And I'm not even saying it was a lot of time, but I'm just telling you that time's important to me. And I didn't want to call her. And then I was just like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to call her, whatever, I'm just going to do it. And I called her, and all the plans with the rest of the family got canceled. My dad and his family was sick, so she didn't hang out with them. My uncle and his family were sick, so she didn't hang out with them. Everybody in the family was sick, so she was going to be at home all alone at Christmas, her first Christmas alone without a husband. Some random friend that she's not even that close with reached out to her and said, hey, you want to come hang out, come to our house? So she did. But what I know is when I called her, and my wife and I were talking about this, it, like, was very, and, and to add even layers to the story, because I don't think any of my family's listening to this, there's a bunch of drama right now, and people aren't talking to her also. So it's even just layered. Me calling her was huge for her. Huge. But the reason I bring that story isn't to say, so, could you clap for me? But it's just, no, I no, I said, please don't. <laughs> The reason I, I bring that story is because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do that. Because of what? Because of a little bit of time I didn't want to sacrifice? I mean, it, probably it was God really moving in my heart to do that. But I didn't want to. I did not want to call her. Because I didn't want to sacrifice some time. But what I know is this. What would happen in our relationship? What would happen in the relationships? That's just a small little snippet of a story. But what would happen in the relationships we actually live in, that we're actually around, the, the church, the community we're actually a part of, if we said, you know what, the thing I prize, what if I sacrifice this? Here's another story I can tell you where I'm not the hero. Uh, <laughs> I have kids because people sacrifice. Like, I don't know what the end total was, but I mean, I think, like 60 grand or something that people gave to us because adoption is expensive. I have children now. I have a family now because people said, you know what, we're going to write you a $5,000 check. You know what, we're going to write you a $500 check, whatever. Like, man, I have kids because people said, man, money is important to me, but I'm going to sacrifice it. So here's what James is saying. You know what a community of love actually looks like? When you are willing to sacrifice what's important to you, whether that's time or money or your children, what if we did that? What would the effect around our relationships be? James says, that's what I want you to think about. That's what love looks like. That's what a community of love looks like. Look, let's just get even a little more churchy and a little more practical. Just and by churchy, I just mean in the context of our church. Like, a lot of people give up time to even just create 
what we have here. I mean, it takes around 20 people every Sunday to just do what we do on a Sunday. And I know that there's people that would say, man, that's a sacrifice of time. I don't want to do that. But what gets created is this. And so many stories of people's lives being changed through this community. Why? Because people say, I'm going to sacrifice time. Like I, and I know even some of the people that have become leaders in the church, which is even a greater sacrifice of time, would say, man, that was really, it's, it was a hard commitment to make because I have to sacrifice something, but now are able to say, man, look what I was able to be a part of helping cultivate and create. What would happen in our relationships if we did that? What would happen financially, again, in the church? Money is something a lot of us struggle to sacrifice, but can I just tell you, this church wouldn't exist. If people didn't say, I'm going to sacrifice something important to me. See, what would happen? What would be the reverberations? What would be the effects if this actually characterized our lives? That we said, I'm going to sacrifice. That's what love looks like. And then James gives us another story. And I love that he gives us um, a story of kind of the father of the faith, Abraham, and then a prostitute. I love that. Again, this could be a whole other sermon, like the fact that demons exist. But let me just say something brief here. God's family is open. That's something cool about this. So this is a really bad photo. That's <laughs> um, but I think it's because it's a real photo and the camera was blurry. But this is <laughs> the, the story of, um, of Rahab. And there's these Israelite spies, and God calls them to come into this land and kind of scout it out. And God's going to give them this land, and they go into the land. And Rahab, who is a part of these people that God is saying, actually, these, and I can't, I can't go into all these stories. I, man, there's so much. But God says, I'm, I'm bringing you into this land. This land's going to be yours. But the people that currently occupy that land obviously don't want them to do that. Rahab is a part of those people, but she actually hides the spies. She risks her life to let them get away. She risks her life to let them get away because what it says is that Rahab had, had heard about God, had heard about Yahweh, the one true God, the saving God. Rahab had heard about what he did to save his people, it says. Rahab says that she heard about God and had a faith and a trust in him. She had heard about a God that rescues his people and saves his people, and so she had a faith and a trust in him. And so what she did was be willing to risk her own life. She could have been killed, and she let them out the window. And James uses her as another illustration because he says, you know what a community of love looks like? Community of love. Here's what a community of love looks like, being willing to risk. First, he uses Abraham to say a community of love is a community that is willing to sacrifice. And then he says a community of love is one that's being willing to risk. They're similar ideas. But think about just the idea of risk, what Rahab did. Isn't it true that sometimes what gets in the way of our love or what is difficult about love is being willing to risk? And that can be true with all sorts of things. It can be true with being risking to be vulnerable. To say, here's who I am. Here's what's going on. That's risky. What if people actually see me? What if they actually see what I'm like? What if they actually see what's going on in my heart? What if they actually see what I've done? What if they then reject me? Part of what it means to be a community of love is be willing to risk. That can be to risk our vulnerability. It can be to risk. It can be to risk people's acceptance of us. Some of the coolest things I've seen have happened have been when people say, I see stuff going on in my friend's life that's going to lead to a bad path. But I'm going to be willing to risk their acceptance of me and be willing to say to them, bro, or sis, I don't think girls really say that, do they? What do girls say? They say like, girl, yeah, girl, yeah. <laughs> that's sexist. Because it should, like, they're not girls, they're women. So um, you say bro or girl. <laughs> That's been some of the best times. <laughs> That's some of the best times. I mean, haven't there, I mean, if you're just honest, haven't there been people that you've been close with? I'm not just talking about strangers. Look, don't say stuff to strangers. But people that you're close with, people you're close with, 
that you see them walking down a path that you know is going to hurt them. And isn't it like, let's just be real, okay? Isn't there times that you just were like, mm, and didn't say anything? Because you didn't want them to be upset with you. You didn't want to risk the relationship. You didn't want to risk their approval. You didn't want to risk their acceptance. You didn't want to risk them thinking you were judgmental. You didn't want to risk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But see, James says a community of love is one that's willing to risk one that's willing to put ourself in harm's way for the sake of others. And again, that can be all sorts of things. That can be to risk emotionally. It can be to risk financially. It can be to risk vulnerability. It can be to risk people's acceptance. But James says, what would happen? I mean, what would happen? What would happen if, if we counted the cost but risked? What would happen if we counted the cost like Rahab the prostitute? What would happen if we counted the cost and said, yeah, but I'm going to risk. I'm still going to do it. James says, you know what a community of love looks like? It looks like people that are willing to sacrifice. It looks like people that are willing to sacrifice what they most prize. It looks like people that are willing to risk. And, and here is even this week as I was just kind of preparing this and studying this. You know what most has stood out to me about this whole passage? It's that this is what God wants for us. Like there's a way to read the Bible that says, what does God want me to do? Okay, well, I'm reading the Bible. What does God want me to do? There, there's a way to read the Bible that views it like that. But I want you to think in a different way. What this means, the fact that James is writing this letter to the church, the, another way to read the Bible is to say, what, what kind of community does God want to create for his people to live in? See, God wants a community where people will walk into and have no need. You see the opening illustration that James gives where he says, imagine a brother or a sister says, I've got, I've got needs, I've got, I've, got, I've got no clothes, I've got no food. He says, imagine that situation and somebody saying, I'm going to pray for you. God doesn't want that. Man, what I love about this is this, this is saying, what is God's heart as a father for his church, for his children? What does he want them to experience? Look, I have to tell you, you know what God wants for you? God wants you to be a part of a community where people sacrifice for you, where people risk for you, where people, where there's literally no need. God wants you to be able to experience and be a part of a community where when you are hurting, you're not just told, be well, I'll pray for you. When you have need, you're not just told, God's going to take care of you. God wants us to actually be a part of a community where his love for us is felt and experienced. That's what God wants for you. That is what God so deeply desires for you. If you were to die today, for those of you that are parents, or if you can just imagine having kids, if you were to die, or if some of you maybe have nephews and nieces and you're on the list, like if they die, then you get the kids. Can I tell you, this is, this is what you would want if you were going to die and leave your kids. What you would want to know is that they were going to be with people that would take care of everything for them. Not just tell them, I love you. Be well, be fed, be warm. That's, that's God's heart for his kids. It's that we actually live in a community and experience relationships where there's no need. That is what God's heart is for you. That's what a community of love looks like, where it's not just beliefs, it's not just words, but it's love. And this is why James, this is why James, this is why James describes these situations. He says this is way different than the kind of faith that gets in the way, the kind of faith that demons have, because it doesn't represent God's heart. So here's the final thing is how do we get a community of love like this? How do, we get, how do we get a community of love like this in the church? How do we get a community of love like this in our homes? How do you get a community of love like this in your relationships that's not just all talk, that isn't loveless, that isn't just words, that isn't just promises, but is actually risk and sacrifice? And here's how. 
It's not just work hard to get it. It's not just, oh, well, James says it's got to have faith, got to have work, so I got to work hard to do it. It's not that. That won't work. If that's what you're trying, that won't work. Trying harder doesn't work. Maybe somewhat paradoxically, the way that we get a community of love like this is faith. Look what James says in the very beginning. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? See, there's different kinds of faith. There's different kinds of faith. And what James has been talking about this whole time is a useless faith, a false faith, a foolish faith, a dead faith. And that faith does no good. That faith doesn't produce a community of love. In fact, that faith is the obstacle. The faith that is just belief is the obstacle. The faith that says, I believe all the right things, I know all the right things, that faith, James says, is useless. It doesn't do anything. The demons believe everything you believe. And the demons don't have a community of love. The way we get a community of love is with the right kind of faith. James says, that kind of faith, that kind of faith doesn't do anything because it's not real faith. It's not the kind of faith that the Bible actually talks about when it talks about faith. See, James is using this kind of faith, the faith that doesn't save you, the faith that doesn't justify you, is a faith that is just knowledge. Look, if you just have knowledge of God and belief about God, that is not the faith that James wants you to have. He says that faith doesn't do anything. Which means we need a different kind of faith. The faith that the Bible talks about. The faith that James talks about throughout this book, which is a faith that is not just belief. Faith is not belief in who God is. Faith, the way the Bible talks about it, is a delight in God. It's an absolute trust in God. Faith, the way the Bible talks about it, and other places, you know, when the Bible talks about salvation, or faith, that kind of faith, is a faith that knows our need and says, I need a Savior. Demons don't do that. Faith that says, you've saved me and rejoices in God. That's a different kind of faith. Faith that says, you, I have need and you've done something for me. That's a different kind of faith. That's not the faith the demons have. It's a very different kind of faith. A faith that says, I need a Savior and God has saved me. That rejoices in God. That delights in God. How do you get a community of love like this? The answer is actually faith, but it's a different kind of faith. See, to get that kind of faith, to get the kind of faith that actually delights in God and rejoices in God and receives his salvation and says, thank you, that kind of faith, you know where that comes from? It comes from looking at God. It comes from looking at God. See, James says a community of love looks like this. A father being willing to sacrifice his son. But don't we have a father that sacrificed his son for us? And no ram was the substitute, but Jesus, the father actually sent Jesus to die, his only son, in our place. And don't we have a savior that didn't risk his life to save us, like Rahab, but actually gave his life to save us so that we could be free. You see, James says, if you have faith, if you have a delight, if you know that that's what God has done for you, if you don't just have belief about God, if you don't just check the boxes and say, yep, I believe in God, yep, I believe in Jesus, yep, I believe in... He says, demons do that, but that's different from a faith that says, I have a God that sacrificed for me. I have a God that gave me his only son. I have a God that served me. I have a, you know, in the beginning, James says, look, if there's a brother or sister in need and Brothers, he says, here's what you should do. Don't we have a brother in Jesus that didn't just say to us in our need, hey, hope everything's good, but actually gave us peace instead of just spoke peace? Through the cross, the Bible says Jesus gave us peace, that he did give us warmth. He warmed our cold, dead hearts and brought them to life. 
and filled us with his spirit. I mean, all that the Bible says, here's what love is. That's what Jesus is to us. And if we believe that, not just cognitively, but say, yes, that's, that's for me. That's the kind of faith James says we need. That kind of faith is what saves us. Faith, real faith, genuine faith, faith that saves us, faith that's useful, faith that creates a community of love. That kind of faith is faith that says, I know God is good to me. I know God is good to me. I have a confidence in God's goodness to me. That's what faith is. And that kind of faith then produces and changes our lives. Because if you know in your soul, God has sacrificed for me, it creates in you a desire to sacrifice. If you know God has served you, it creates in you a desire to serve others. If your very lifeline of, of what you know has created salvation for you is, man, I have a God that gave everything for me, or, or I would still be spiritually naked and poor. If you know you have a God that's done that for you, that creates in us this kind of love, which is why this is the kind of faith that we need. So, I just want to close with it. What does this mean for you? Who does this speak to? Part of why James writes this is as a warning. I don't know everybody's faith in this room. I don't know how to grade it or how to put it on a scale or where it's at. But I, but I agree with James. And I think if we just look at the statistics in our country, James is on to something. So, is your faith just belief in the facts? Is your faith just belief in the facts? I don't know. I'm just asking you to, to take James seriously. And if it is, if that's what faith means for you, if faith just means belief in the facts, and it's not the kind of faith that produces this kind of life, my, here's, I just ask for, ask for the right faith. Like, ask God, God, show me, Show me yourself. I want to see you, Jesus, as this. I want, to, I want a different kind of faith. Read the book of John. Ask God to open your eyes to his salvation. And for that to be something you delight in and not just go, okay, I agree with it. I would just tell you, I mean, this church has started for people that in a lot of ways would say they have faith. But, but it's the kind of faith that James is talking about. So if that's where you are, I'm not, I'm not, this church is not, we're not mad at you. We expect that that exists and we want something better for you. We want you to actually know real faith, to actually know Jesus. This church has started to help you experience a different kind of faith. Faith that isn't just check boxes, but a faith that says, what if I could know Jesus? What if I could know a God that sacrificed and risked for me? So if, if that's where your faith is, don't, don't leave today. Don't leave today going on business as usual. Like I don't usually just have like a heavy appeal to you, but I, I really just, I, I think James is right. And so if your faith is this, don't leave today without praying, God, Give me a saving faith, a different kind of faith. And then, if you have this faith, like the real faith, the true faith that James is talking about, here's part of how you keep growing in love. Ask God to keep reminding you of how he has loved you and served you because where works come from, where sacrifice and risking comes from, isn't just trying harder to work and risk and sacrifice. It's, again, faith, but the right kind of faith. So if you feel even burnt out in your life or you feel like, man, I'm trying to love people and serve people, but it's hard and it's difficult and I'm getting tired. I mean, this is the answer of what we have to keep going back to, to energize and fill us is, man, I have a God that loved and served me and a confidence that he's good to you that then leads to the action and the works in your life. 
in your relationships in the church with your friends, with your spouse, with your kids. This is what God wants for us. Imagine that kind of community where love is felt and shown, not just talked about. That's what God wants for us to have. And, and what I would just tell you too, if you're visiting this church or maybe you're kind of coming to the church, but you're not in community here. I've seen God do this in our church. And that is what we desire for you. That's what we want for you. And I have confidence that that's what you will experience here. As you actually become a part of the church. There's a difference between a Sunday and between actually, I am an in invested part of this family. I don't know anyone in our church, and maybe I'm wrong, and come tell me. I don't know anyone in our church that is a member, an invested part of this family that says, I've got a bunch of needs, but they're not met. I don't know anybody like that. I think God is creating this in our church, and that is what we desire for you. That's what we want for you, because it's what God wants for all of us to experience that. Let me pray for us. As we take communion, we remember that we have a God that served us and loved us and risked for us and sacrificed for us to create this kind of community for us. Father, would you help us even just now as we sing songs and take communion, would you help truth become real to our hearts? Would you help the truth of who you are, the God that loves us and saves us, and sacrificed for us, be real to our hearts? And I pray, God, if there's anyone here that has the faith that James wants us to move beyond, that you would tell them that even just now. Just help them, Holy Spirit, in a vivid way know you're talking to them and you want more for them. And for all of us, Lord, help us to just rest and believe the truth of who you are as a good God so that we may continue to be the community you've called us to be. In your name, Jesus, we pray.